Okay, today we begin a new book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. Pop quiz, who wrote the largest amount of our New Testament? Some people might be tempted to say Paul, but the answer is Luke. Um, and Paul, without a doubt, wrote more books than anyone else. He wrote 13 of them, but by measuring by words and length of the book, Luke wrote more than anyone He's the author of the Gospel of Luke as well as the Book of Acts, both very long books. So Luke more than uh, is 24 chapters and Acts is 28 chapters. And put together, Luke wrote more words in our New Testament than anyone else, including Paul. Um, you could legitimately view the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts as volumes one and two of a two-volume work. Luke addressed both to the same person, Theophilus, See Luke 1, 3 and Acts 1, 1. And Luke would say to, the, to open the book of Acts that his aim in writing his gospel was to write about, quote, all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's Acts 1, 1, implying that the book of Acts is uh, about what Jesus continued to do through his apostles. Luke was a physician. Uh, see that in Colossians 4, 14. And because of this, I believe... With Luke, we get his great attention to thoroughness and detail. See that in the opening words. As well as a keen interest in the miracles of Jesus surrounding physical sickness. That's an interesting note. Now, Luke is a wonderful gospel, and I look forward to reading through it with you. So let's consider a few points to note from the first chapter, which is our reading to, for today. I hope you've already read it. Uh, the first uh, very unsurprising uh point in this first chapter is the complete sovereignty of God. You simply cannot escape that truth in Scripture. In this opening chapter, there's a very strong and unmistakable dose of God's sovereign control over all things. Where do we see this? First of all, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was a priest, verse one, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 5, and it specifically says that, quote, he was chosen by lot to serve in the temple for an allotted time, verse 9. They didn't have a schedule for who would serve when. They simply cast lots to, to, to determine who would serve. Now, when I read this, my thoughts immediately went to Proverbs 16, which says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. In other words, what they thought was a random selection was, in fact, the sovereign selection of the Lord. Zechariah was chosen by lot, humanly speaking, but in reality, the Lord caused it to happen that way because he had a message to deliver to Zechariah. Furthermore, we see the sovereignty of God as he causes not one but two barren women, one old, one young, and a virgin, to bear children. Both Mary and Zechariah ascribe these events to the Lord. Look at chapter 1, verse 48, where Zechariah and chapter 1, verses 68 and 69 excuse me, chapter 1, verse 48 with, with Mary, and uh, chapter uh, 1, verses 68 and 69 for Zechariah. In addition, notice how certain and definite each of these prophecies are. To Zechariah, the angel Gabriel said, quote, Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, and he will be great, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, and he will go before Jesus to make ready 
for the Lord a people prepared. That's verses 13 through 16. Will, 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 will. To Mary, the angel Gabriel said, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne. He will reign. He will be called holy, the Son of God. Verses 31 through 35. You get the point. This thing is going to play out exactly and in every detail as the sovereign Lord has decided and declared. There's an old hymn called, This is my Father's World. That is exactly right. This is His world. And as Paul said in Ephesians 1.11, He works all things according to the counsel of His will. This is not a philosophical conundrum. This is the bedrock foundation of un unwavering joy and unflinching hope in every child of God. Secondly, God is faithful to 2,000-year-old promises. There's something really interesting going on in this chapter if you look carefully. When you read the, res uh, the response of Zechariah to the angel Gabriel who declares that he would have a son, John, in his old age, does it remind you of another story in the Bible? As I read Luke's description here, it reminds me distinctly of Abraham's response when he was told he would have a son in his old age. Uh, think of the story of Abraham in, in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. Zechariah heard the prophecy and reminds the Lord just how old he and his wife are. That's in the, uh, verse 18. Just like Abraham did in Genesis 17, 17. Furthermore, Zechariah heard the promise of God and, and asked, How shall I know this? Verse 18. Just like Abraham did in Genesis 15, 8. And just like God gave Abraham a sign to confirm his promise, he also gave Zechariah a sign to confirm his promise. His sign to, to Zechariah was causing him to be mute until John was born, verse 64. His sign to Abraham was the covenant ceremony uh, we looked at recently in Genesis 15, in which God promised to provide salvation to the world through Abraham. I believe these events happened in Zechariah's life, and Luke describes these events in, in this way intentionally to remind us of Abraham and God's promise to Abraham to provide salvation. This is confirmed when we read the songs of praise both from Zechariah and Mary in this chapter. Mary's song, the Magnificat, in verses 46 through 55, is recorded first. And what is the last thing she says in it? She says of the Lord, in verse 55, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So Mary sees the events of miraculous birth of uh, the miraculous birth of John, the forerunner to the Messiah Jesus, as especially the miraculous birth, and, the, and specifically the, the miraculous birth of Messiah Jesus, as the fulfillment of God's 2,000-year-old promise to Abraham to bring salvation. This is confirmed once more in Zechariah's prophecy when he says that in these unfolding events, God is showing, this is in verse 72, the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. What covenant is he talking about? He says in verse 73, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. So Luke, right off the bat, is signaling that the promise made to Abraham 2,000 years earlier was coming to pass. God promised to bless the nations through Abraham, and in Jesus he brought that about, Galatians 3.14. God keeps his promises even if they are 2,000 years old.
finally, the importance of the virgin birth. The virgin conception and birth of the Lord Jesus Christ is taught in chapter, here in chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. And this is not an insignificant doctrine of the Christian faith. It is foundational. So foundational and crucial is it that our hope of salvation is taken away without it. Mary confirms that she is a virgin in verse 34. The angel Gabriel confirms exactly how it is that she would come to be with child even as a virgin. He said in, the angel said in verse 35, the angel will come upon you or the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. What's the significance of that? Why is that so important? Gabriel explains that too when it said in verse 35, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. If Jesus had been born just as we are, uh, he would have been born in the line of Adam just as we are, and thereby would have been born with a sinful and corrupt nature just as we are. If he had been born in sin like us, two things would have happened. One, he couldn't have lived perfectly the obedient life that he did for us so that we might have a righteousness to stand before God. And two, he wouldn't have gone to the cross for our sin but for his own. The virgin birth ensured not only that he was both divine and human, the Son of God, but also that he could live and die to save us from our sins rather than his own. Give thanks to God that he knew exactly what was required to save us from our sins and he graciously brought all those things to pass just as they needed to be. And this is Luke chapter 1.